0: that's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.
1: Block Talk Radio.
2: Go fans, and welcome to the Happy Recap Radio Show. Doing things as baseball should be done on a Sunday afternoon instead of a Sunday night. I'm JB, along with EJ, and EJ, you know, there's so much to to bitch about today and to complain about and talk about. I mean, I feel bad because we're going to complain a ton today, I think, on a first-place team, but, uh, you know, that is what it is, that it doesn't even behoove the fact to mention that we got to deal with Sunday Night Baseball tonight.
1: Particular version of uh, Sunday Night Baseball, JP. This particular version of Sunday Night Baseball was originally supposed to be a day game. And it was supposed to have the Mets kids dash around the bases at the end. So yes, it ESPN was. Comes it in, comes in, grabs it. And now you're basically telling families, sorry, your kids either should stay up until midnight to run around the bases or they get to miss out on this experience. So you're right. On top of everything else that's happened over the course of the past 24 to 48 hours, that's just a, a nice little stink bomb to throw on top of it all.
2: Now, that being said, of course, uh, the, the run the bases after every home game is usually suspended uh, when we get stuck on Sunday night baseball at ho- on a home game, because typically speaking, it is a school night. The only saving grace for those parents who actually want to let their kids do this is, is there is no school tomorrow. But it, it's only a small comfort. Uh, at least they didn't have to outright cancel the promotion. No, they just, put, you know, ESPN forced them in a position to have to di- disclude 95 uh, percent of the kids.
1: Yeah, you know, I kind of, I tweeted it out earlier today, and I, I feel this way. I feel like there needs to be something collectively bargained in the next agreement that no series should be allowed to be the Saturday Fox game of the week, followed by the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. That's just cruel and unusual to do to fans, especially fans of the Dodgers and, and Mets who arguably have some of the best booths in the business.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, you know, you, we, we, uh, you know, we had the games a couple weeks ago in Los Angeles, and uh, you know, no disrespect at all to Gary, Keith, and Ron, uh, you know, having the MLB at-bat package. I spent all three days listening to Vin Scully. I mean, that was just as what I was going to do. It was how I was going to roll. Uh, and you know, they, they have got some good announcers beyond. I mean, certainly they're going to miss Vin Scully in Los Angeles. He's an institution. You don't replace him. But there are some very, very qualified good announcers in the Los Angeles booth. If there's one thing the Mets announcers, the people who run, you know, as far as the WOR and SNY, if there's one thing they get, as well as the Dodger broadcasting people, unlike other teams in their respective towns, they understand the value of a good booth.
1: Yeah, figure entertainment and L.A. going hand-in-hand together.
2: Who would have, uh, have thunk it? Yeah, I mean, you know, Anaheim's booth, not as good. Yankee's booth, do we really even need to go there? (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. Well, you know... Uh, oh, my so God! He's mo- in! He's in! The Boston <laughs> box! Oh, my God! George's blocks! <laughs> oh. I actually particularly liked her when she uh, broke down hysterically crying when Tori was, uh, was done. That was actually my favorite season moment. But, yeah, that's a pretty awful, uh, awful booth. And, you know, you talk about booths, and it's a weird way to get into the events of last night. But yes. another... For me, crying shame of yesterday was the fact that Fox did pull that game, which meant that the fans at home were unable to watch the 86 ceremony, which by all accounts was phenomenal, unless you were streaming it. And uh, as I was trying to help my dad stream it himself, he said, how do I watch this thing? And I mistakenly said, smy.com. And he replies to me, well, that's a Chinese dating site. And I said, oh, my bad, Uh, try uh, smy.net. To which he replied, "I forget what that one was." And I said, "Oh, my bad. It's smy.tv." And he finally was able to get in, but the stream actually never started for him, so he missed out on that. So that's just like the first. It was was actually on Mets.com. Oh, it was Mets.com. Okay, it was Mets.com, and it was
2: right on the front page. It was actually, to be honest, all you had to do was it was one of those rotating. When it was the first of the rotating windows when you go to the site and it was right up there I logged in at uh I was a couple minutes late cuz we were having a a birthday party for my daughter yesterday who turned 1 and uh I survived my first children's birthday party so that's a good thing uh but uh I, I sat down to relax and watch it I was a couple minutes late afraid I'd missed something of course no, none of these things start on time I just went to the website clicked and I w- I was in it was pretty easy and um uh, you know it wasn't the uh, best coverage of it cuz basically you're watching the feeds that uh, were feeding the screens at the stadium. So it wasn't necessarily television-level production per se. But it was, I mean, it was really, really cool to watch. Um, I really enjoyed the ceremony. And I tell you, you know, I expected to get choked up when uh, the Carter family walked in. I did not expect to get choked up watching Ray Knight get choked up. I mean, yeah, he was, was so a great- more emotional almost, and they showed Keith was choked up watching Ray Knight come in. Now, keep in mind, this is the first time the man has been in the stadium since, you know, or in a Met-related event since he left the team after the 1986 season. So the separation had been long. Now, of course, he'd been back many times before in, in his role as a manager uh, with the Reds and whatnot, but... Uh, you know, it was just one of those moments where I it caught me off guard. I I may have wiped away a few tears on that one.
1: Yeah, it was a welcome back to the family moment for Ray. It was great to see the way the crowd really, really embraced him when he was introduced, and they, they kind of just turned it up an extra notch for him. And it was a uh, it was a really endearing moment. You know, I didn't know how I would feel going into this 30th anniversary being. The 25th was only five years ago. It was held in Shea stadium and Gary was there. So I kind of felt like there's no way that this will exceed what the the 25th anniversary was. And I felt like it really was well done. And it was felt just felt completely different in a way that we were able to embrace the 86 team differently than we did five years ago. And it felt like two completely separate events, two completely different ceremonies and two really well done, well-organized events that, uh, that honored that awesome team. And going back to my point about the booth, my only problem with it was how great would it have been Keith and Ronnie go back upstairs, they join Gary to call the game, and you know they would have had other guys from that team stopping in, although Fox did do that. It wasn't really Met-centric so much. It would have been great to have Doc in the booth for an inning, or even guys like that you haven't thought. How great would it have been for Ray Knight to be on the X and Y broadcast for an inning? Things like that. And then as the events of the game unraveled, I felt like I was being highway robbed by not getting Keith Hernandez's commentary on what happened to Noah Syndergaard. That would have been probably epic, vintage level Keith at his absolute finest while that was going on.
2: Well, and the thing too, I mean, what, in the booth at the time that that happened, you did have Doc Gooden, and yes. that was, yep. I mean, that was, I mean, to get his take on it, and he was, I mean, but the, and, and you know, Keith did come along a couple. Innings later, but of course, you have to realize that people—you know—some people might be yelling at their at their their iPhone right now, or whatever. Going, dude, th- those guys were both there. Like, yeah, Not they were, in the but moment. they were on Fox, and they were on Fox. Keith cannot be Keith as a guest on Fox. Doc cannot be Doc as a guest on Fox. That's my point. There is like you're 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 going to get Keith, but you're going to get as close to. I know this is a weird-sounding term, as close to PC Keith as you're going to get when he's a guest on somebody else's broadcast. Put him in his own booth where he can talk freely. I guarantee you, you get a lot more commentary, especially in the moment, but let's be honest, uh, that's not something those three would let go of the rest of the game, quite frankly, and rightfully so. Um, I have my only, my only criticism ever of Gary, Keith, and Ron is sometimes I feel like they don't let go of something that the fans have actually let go of in a game and they kind of keep harping on it. It's like, all right, enough. Uh, but this would have been certainly well justified. You know, it, it, you're right. It's an absolute shame. It was a tremendous missed opportunity that, you know, there's literally nobody with the Mets you can blame. You know, the other tremendous missed opportunity that you can't blame the Mets for, uh, thank Thank MLB for this as well Is nobody outside the Metro area could hear Game Six on WOR Thursday night. <laughs> yep, that was, it was another uh, nowhere. Yep, that was another
1: missed opportunity I felt by them. And even though they were broadcasting certain things on via FMI, to hear the original radio call on WRA was awesome because I did listen to a couple innings of it. But you're right to not have that be nationally. I mean, you talked about something being on Mets.com before. How about throwing that on Mets.com and letting uh? Letting any fans afar, much like yourself, get a, a chance to to sample that because I'm sure back in '86, I know I wasn't listening to the radio. You probably weren't listening to the radio. We were all stuck on the TV. So to hear the the radio call was pretty awesome the other night.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have certainly heard. Obviously, you know, much like everybody else, I've heard, you know, Murph call the last couple things. I mean, especially when you have. Uh, the, uh, you know for those of us who are old enough to have the VHS of a year to remember um, you know all the playoff and world series calls are from the radio booth because they don't really have the right, didn't have the rights to the national broadcast audio so they're playing the radio audio on games that uh, weren't because that that uh, whole video was put together by sports channel so if it was a WOR game or if it was a playoff game you had the radio audio on that video so i'd heard a number of those calls but, if, you know, I've heard that game a couple of times. Every winter, you get a select amount on MLB radio, on uh, Sirius XF. They'll play a classic game here and a classic game there, usually on the Sunday nights in the offseason. And I have heard a good portion of the game before, but never front to back. Uh, I would have loved to have. And uh, thanks to MLB for putting bizarre broadcast restrictions on a nearly 30-year-old game.
1: Yeah, it really does make you scratch your head where MLB is going through this whole Bryce Harper led campaign, make baseball fun again, yet they do everything that they still can to make baseball inaccessible to the common fan as as often as they do via YouTube or via 30 year broadcast. It just seems like they're really not with what is uh, engaging the younger fans that could potentially be your, your fans of the future.
2: And a little piece of uh, late-breaking news, Adam Rubin from ESP in New York is reporting that uh, uh, David Wright is out today and likely tomorrow because of his neck pain issue. He remains active, took an oral anti-inflammatory medication for his neck issue that needs 48 hours to take effect, and he must remain idle during that time. You know,
1: it's so saddening that we finally go out and acquire that piece that's going to put Eric Campbell where he belongs – firmly back on the bench and the captain gets a neck ache and has to take some days and possibly head to the DL, which only is going to serve to put Eric Campbell in the lineup if Wilmer Flores is not in it.
2: Yeah, I mean, you got to hope in this scenario. I mean, obviously the saving grace you know, is in your worst case scenario you have a situation where uh, you have uh, uh, you know, a platoon between Campbell and Flores over at third base. Um, I think what you probably see potentially if it turns out that Wright has to go to the DL, I suspect you see TJ Rivera called up from uh, AAA and they'll have to make another 40-man roster move to make that happen. Uh, but um, you figure that uh, you know, Reynolds more likely than Ty Kelly gets sent down, I assume, today because Flores um, Flores is um, going to be active um, today. Uh, so we'll see what the corresponding move is. But uh, it's certainly going to be interesting. Let's talk umpiring. Ugh. You know,
1: I have a lot of issues with last night, obviously him being the number one. But we can, we can break down last night because I have actually identified, I think, four or five different areas about it. That just really cheeses me off. But, yeah, first and foremost, that home play, the ump.
2: Oh, I mean that you know they they told us that uh, you know when re- replay came in they would take away some of the human side, but if you have an inconsistent rule you have inconsistent application. And while I completely blame this umpire for what happened last night, I blame MLB more because they've never sent out a directive to say how does that, how is this really to be applied. Otherwise, it's flip a coin. Do I feel like ejecting or do I feel like warning? Now, I don't think it was ejection-worthy, but if that is the rule of Major League Baseball, that is exactly what must happen in that situation. Problem is, it's not. Yeah, you know, years
1: ago when warnings were first issued, I remember hating them at the time because I said that's totally unfair to the pitcher who now to not pitch inside for the rest of the game, because God forbid one gets away from him, he's done for the night. And I thought, I, I hate to say that it's the wussification of America, but I hate taking that part of the the game away from these guys. You need to have – I mean, I couldn't imagine a Bob Gibson pitching in this day and age. He'd be thrown out by the third inning of every game. It, it's just really – it's embarrassing for Major League Baseball what happened last night. And, again, you had people who paid really good money. It is not cheap to go to City Field. They paid really good money to see the best pitcher on the New York Mets pitch last night, and he was doing just what you had hoped – He was pitching a heck of a game. He was showing 100 miles per hour on nearly every fastball. He was electrifying the crowd. He was making people feel like they had gotten what they had paid for. And then this umpire took it upon himself to say, no, 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 no. You people paid all that money to see me. It's a me show. And I'm going to make it all about me. That was a ridiculous ejection. As I hear more and more about this, it doesn't even sound like he's a major league worthy umpire. And it's just completely ridiculous that he was so quick to pull that trigger that you have to think after that game, his crew chief must have just laid into him about that because they just made that entire crew look foolish on national television on a night where one of the most marketable and recognizable World Series champions are being honored on their 30th anniversary. You have tons of extra eyeballs on the TV and in the stands, and you pull such a boneheaded gas like that to throw out one of the game's best pitchers without even issuing so much as a warning. It's an embarrassment, and I tweeted it last night, and I'll say it again. I am embarrassed that the 86 Mets had to witness what the game has become in that regard, that you can't even throw one inside pitch, granted it went behind him, but you can't even do that one time in a game without getting ejected. That is garbage.
2: I agree 100%. I mean, there's no part of me that, you know, again, if MLB had said, you know what, you throw behind a guy, we think it's on purpose, we reserve the right to eject you on the spot, no warnings. If, if Manfred comes out with a rule like that, you know what, it's like, man, that sucks, you Noel, know, maybe that was a bad time to do that. Dagnabbit, you know, all right, fine, you move on. But the way it went down, it's, it's not what went down, it's the way it went down, and you're absolutely right. The, he made it completely about himself. Uh, he made it, the, the, you know, the Adam Hamari show, not cool. Uh, not cool at all. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, you know, a substitute uh, AAA umpire comes in, vacation relief, um, and pulls that crap. I, it's one of those things that, you know, if I'm a crew chief uh, responsible, if I'm the crew chief responsible for bringing in uh, replacements, I hope they lose the guy's phone number. Uh, it's just, it, you know... And uh, you know I do appreciate Terry getting fired up. Um, you know I, I the, the reality of it is, you know talk about a a situation that changed the game on a dime. Nine to one's your final. Nine to one is your final last night. Now maybe 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 at the end of the day, you wind up still losing that game two to one. Maybe. Not saying you win. Not saying you lose. The Mets scored one run. Off that pitching last night, which I thought was kind of abysmal, but with that six, seven, and eight in the lineup, what could you do? Um, but at the end of the day, you, you you can't let the wheels fall off that bad, and you know, and to have done that to, with Utley, to have put him in the position to have killed you that bad, um, you know, you just it, it's it's one of those things that. Uh, yeah, you know, it just grinds you because it all goes back to that one thing. It's like if, you know, Verrett pitched for two, obviously an inning too long, you know, Robles pitched too long. Well, why did you do that? Because you had a, a starting pitcher who, by his own admission, and I don't know if he's joking or serious, says he's ready to go out of the pen tonight. <laughs> um, I mean, would that be a heck of a thing? Although I did say to a couple people, maybe it's better if he's ready to go out of the pen tomorrow. Um, but uh, that of course is sing the other elephant to them and that of course is the recent pitching of Matt Harvey yeah
1: yeah that's definitely going to be a, a something that we're all going to be looking in on and you've got finally you've got a uh, one o'clock game on a uh, holiday weekend which is going to be nice but you know going back to one of your points that's actually my point number two about what went down last night okay it went down and it stunk and Everyone's pissed about it. Logan Barrett though, then comes in and initially starts pitching pretty decently. He's keeping the Mets in this game. He did, absolutely. I I thought that was a damn good job by him when he had no intention of pitching that early in the game. Is it at all possible that the bats don't just completely crumble there and can maybe unify around this great injustice that has been done to Noah Syndergaard? And maybe we make this a rallying cry rather than exposing our belly and, oh, we're pretty much completely defeated. I mean, granted, you're right. That six seven eight was abominable last night. But I still would have loved to have seen this fire up the rest of the team a little bit and maybe go out and produce. I mean, Maeda has, was coming off some of the worst starts that we've seen in baseball. I mean, he lit the world on fire in his first three, and then he got completely lit his next three starts. So he is coming off horrible outing after horrible outing. And then that just went and impotent bat after impotent bat. Once again, that was my second issue. last night. I just didn't like how it felt like they, the second that Noah was ejected, it felt like Logan was the only one who still had a pulse on that team.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, I mean, that's kind of the key. I mean, for me is that, uh, um, I, I kind of felt the same way. I mean, now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you can get, you know, some, a situation can get in your head. You know, we talked about the 86 Mets, and, you know, let's let's think about any time, you know, Mike Scott pitched against the New York Mets in 1986, the, the, the thought that he was scuffing, which, let's be honest, he was scuffing, uh, <laughs> you know, got so into their heads that they were, compl- I mean, they were, they had no chance. He was so in their heads. And he's really the only pitcher in the entire season that got into their heads that badly. Uh, that there was no way they were going to function in that situation. And I really think they just, yeah, they went off the rails. And the calming influence, the guy that can get them back on track, just went out with Noah.
1: Yeah, and good for him for doing that. Because that's one of my other I agree. With him. Is I agree. Great job on the field. I thought he, he stuck up for his player. He, he got his money's worth good for him. I, I didn't like in the post game, and I, I stayed up and watched all the post game how Terry kind of was very, oh, well, the, them's the breaks kind of deal. Where I wanted to hear more from Terry what you were saying that this needs to be a unified rule. A, for, forget these unwritten rules of baseball. We need some type of rule about what constitutes an ejection and what constitutes a warning. And, and Terry was not at. All adamant or even vocalizing that at all in the post game, and I was a little bummed by that. I wanted to see a little, a little pep in our in our skipper there last night, and instead he kind of just looked very defeated in his post game presser.
2: Yeah, I agree. And what in the clips that I saw, I would agree with you completely. I felt that he he, he felt like the the air had been let out of his tires. I mean, it it was just like, yeah, you know, what can you do? What can you do? What can you do? It is what it is. And you know, I think that that's that that's kind of, you know, the the position the Mets were in, but, you know, um I, I think that uh, you know, MLB has a problem and I think uh, you know, uh, even though I thought he was particularly whiny about it, Josh Donaldson brought it up a couple t- a couple days ago when he was thrown behind and uh nothing happened. So I mean, you know, you, you have people on both sides of this issue, but you know, it's like, you know, if you're Adam Hamari there, it's not your place to do, you know, right the wrong of what happened to Josh Donaldson getting thrown behind twice. It's not your place.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, it's got to be MLB wide, obviously. But then the other thing that really gets me—this one just irks me so bad. Well, could you have at least hit him? I didn't need Sean Estes all over again.
2: You know, and I got to think that unlike Sean Estes, I mean. Yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. At least Sean Estes, when he threw behind Clemens, you know, had some justice by you know hitting the dinger off of him later. He got a little bit of his cred yep. back with me by doing that. But you know, at the end of the day, the thing with Noah is, do we really think that Noah was trying to hit him? I don't.
1: Uh, absolutely not. No, I think he wants to hit him. I mean, because me. I I mean, that's the him. thing. I at
2: the end of the day. <laughs> You know, the, the reality of it is Noah Syndergaard wants to hit you. He will pick the rib of which he wishes to hit. He will pick the yep. bone <laughs> on your body, which actually which actually entertains him, and he will pick the location on that bone. He will hit you with pinpoint accuracy with an inch of where he'd like to. I mean, so, I mean, you know, this was not Noah attempting to do harm, to chase Utley the way that, uh, you know. There was some attempt to do harm, albeit I don't think the catastrophic harm that occurred, but, you know, that uh, Utley intended upon Tejada.
1: Yeah, and we definitely could have used a little harm inflicted on Utley because as he has now become basically chipper Utley to us, all of a sudden completely wearing us out. I've never been more happy that a guy, a 37-year-old dude, is out of the National League East.
2: Yeah, I mean, Utley obviously has always been enemy number two. I mean, I was h- discussing that with somebody on Twitter earlier today. He's kind of always been enemy number two. He was ki- he killed us with the Phillies. He's out of our division now, thankfully, and has been. But, I mean, this was what, home runs number 37 and 38 off the Mets in his career. Um, so, I mean, it's not like these are a new occurrence for this team, even at 37. You know, I, I, you know the question was, you know, is, is he enemy number one now? of all time. And I'm like, it's, it's pretty stinking close, but I think, uh, you know, of course the thing is Chipper's turned out to be a closet Met fan. So, you know, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I I got, I think I got to give this honor to Utley. He is in fact enemy number one with uh, our old friend Pete Rose being down there in position number three. Still, he ain't ever leaving that one for what he did to buddy. Sorry. (laughs) Nope.
1: But yeah, I would say that he's public enemy number one. And you know, it's crazy to me that, you look at Utley's last year in Philly, he was a shell of what he once was when he came to killing the Mets and when it just came to performing. I mean, there was a lot of us who were like, I think this guy's pretty close to being done. If you oh, have yeah. told me that at, 30, that at 37 years old, that off those seasons, that Chase Utley was pretty much going to be the catalyst, leading the Dodgers offense right now, I would have said you're nuts. So, I mean, good job by Utley having this uh, resurgence in his career so late. But, man, I am glad that we're not seeing him 19 times a year right now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the Phillies, it's nice to see them starting to finally return back to Earth.
1: Yeah, we all knew that that was going to return to the normal. It was just only a matter of time. They they weren't uh they weren't going to be division contenders by winning a bunch of games in April and May, so it it seems like they're going to get back to where we want them at, so when we play them we get to beat the ever living snot out of them as well.
2: Yep, two games above five hundred currently. They've uh they've gotten uh lost seven of their last ten. Uh, I would say that the uh, the fact that they've got the negative forty three run d- differential against them <laughs> has finally caught up to them. Uh, but uh, you know, it's certainly one of those things. And looking at you know, looking at the schedule coming up, EJ, uh, you know, for as rough as may was for the for the Mets, uh, you know, things don't get tremendously easier after we fa- after we pass LA here. Yeah, what do we got? Uh, who
1: do we got coming up? We got the White Sox and. Coming up, starting and tomorrow,
2: we got the White Sox. Then I believe uh, we've got Pittsburgh coming up as well. Uh, uh, two let two, take two like tough a uh, Let's see. We got the White Sox Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Then uh, we're at the Marlins next weekend. Then we're in okay. Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, and then we get a relief with four games in Milwaukee. Although we tend to do way worse against Milwaukee in Milwaukee than at home. Yep. Uh, yeah, you're so Absolutely that's right. That's and then we get a day off, come home for Pirates and Braves, um, and then uh, the Royals come to town. So, <laughs> wow, you know. Now the nice thing is we don't see the Nationals again till the uh, last week of June, twenty seventh, twenty eighth, and twenty ninth. But as soon as we're done with the Nationals, uh, we we miss the Cubs.
1: Yeah, that's a that is some stretch right there that that they're about to go through. Fortunately, like you said, you could throw in a little Braves, you threw in a little Marlins, but. There's some really good ball clubs that we're going to be playing over the next few weeks, and it, it all starts at the White Sox tomorrow. And as you f- aforementioned, Mr. Matt Harvey on the mound, something that I'm pretty sure if we had uh, been pulled after his last start, we would have, to a man, said there's no chance he's making that start. The Mets well, here's, the, here's the
2: nice thing. The, the the White Sox, who, of course, had been you know red hot the, the first two months of the season, more so than the Phillies, uh, you know, unexpectedly, now have pretty much the same record as they've lost six in a row and eight of their last ten. Uh, Kansas City has uh, pulled back into the first place today with a win. Uh, but uh, the White Sox now sit in third place in the AL Central, so they're not quite as intimidating as perhaps they were. But uh, as I pointed out to somebody, it's like with Matt Harvey going tomorrow, he has a bad start. You know, his next start's against the Marlins. Okay, that's one thing. Uh, Jose Fernandez is pitching against him on Sunday.
1: Yeah, that's a matchup that you would want absolutely no part of. Because typically I would have said, oh, I want Harvey to make that start. That's going to be the start that gets his adrenaline going. That's going to be the start that gets his juices flowing. Well, that's what the Strasburg start was supposed to be. And we all saw how that ended.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be very interesting uh current report is that uh tuesday we'll see the debut of our new first baseman uh apparently he's walking from El Paso. <laughs> um, <laughs> um I, I basically from what i understand is that they're um that's of course the next time we face a left-handed uh uh left-handed uh starter so that's when they're going to activate him so i think they're trying to um you know play a little games with the a uh, little bit of gaming with the uh, um bench but I think they're also trying to figure out. Still, my guess is they're waiting out a little bit to see what the heck is going on with uh, David Wright some more. Um, and yeah, they can play. Yeah, you, can play of, you can play a couple. You can play a couple days with those.
1: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of roster tinkering in the next few days, adding guys, removing guys to the forty man, call ups, send downs, and uh, possible disabled list stints. I have a feeling it's going to be uh, pretty active on the wire for uh, for Sandy over the next pretty much till Tuesday when Loney's ready to go.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think you're going to – obviously, uh, Wilmer Flores is active and in the lineup for third base tonight. Uh, however, a corresponding roster move had not been announced as of when I'm talking right now, um, other than to say that uh, Terry Collins has said the player involved has not been notified, hence no press release. So um, – but that's the only thing. There's been no lineup request uh, uh, posted. So, your guess is good as mine. All we know is Flores is playing tonight. He is back. He's at third base. And that would tell me I'm guessing uh I who is at first base. Any guesses? Ah, oh boy. Soup to nuts. Uh, that's what I'm thinking.
1: That's
2: what yeah, I'm thinking.
1: I'm, I'm guessing as well. I mean, really that's that's your option right now. That's, that's all you if Wilmer's playing third, then that's really the only uh only well that you can go to at this point. I mean, I guess they, they haven't done it yet, but they keep saying that the AZA is going to play first base at some point. So I, I, I highly doubt that they would debut that on a nationally televised holiday weekend game.
2: Boy, you would think not, and I, I would tend to agree with you that they're not going to. I mean, but the um, you know certainly the uh, possibility exists, I suppose. But I, I would tend to think that it's more likely going to be going Campbell at first. I can't imagine otherwise. Could you imagine a
1: world where you said, I wish we could get DeAza in there for his offense?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, It's not a world I want to live in, I don't think. <laughs> Poor Eric, man. He
1: takes such a beating. And we've said it so many times on this show. He has a role that he fits so well on a major league roster and the big just keep breaking. So he gets forced into the everyday role by all accounts. He's a good guy and he just gets absolutely demolished by that social media.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the, uh, that, that's, I, I do feel bad. I think he, I do think he gets a raw deal. Uh, I mean, you know, there, there are some that are funny, you know, the things that will survive after after nuclear holocaust twinkies roaches and uh eric campbell in a lineup <laughs> um, yeah you know, some of them you just have to chuckle at you know the you know of course the, the daily okay seriously who 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 does uh, eric campbell have nude photos of uh tweet i mean you know the, the, some of them are chuckle worthy just cuz they're they are cute and or creative but uh the uh the, the reality of it is you're absolutely right the problem is He sticks out like a sore thumb because of that veteran experience missing off the bench. But on the plus side, E.J., I mean, you know, the type of player that we've been talking about, uh, once Lucas Duda comes back and has his occasional good week, uh, that could very well be James Loney.
1: Yeah, it could be. And I I definitely, I like Loney a lot. I thought that was a great, I think we were both in agreement. We had a conversation with uh, one of our uh, faithful Twitter listeners, the Pet 24, giving you the shout out, Paul. Uh, yesterday, uh, he asked both of us what we thought of this move, and I, I like it. I mean, I think the guy is, he is a consistent, competent major league hitter, and that is exactly what this lineup is sorely missing, both at first base and actually in a lot of spots right now. Uh, I won't go ahead and make the comparison that we made last year where we said, oh, we need another Daniel Murphy type. I don't think he got that upside offensively, but I no. think he's definitely competent enough that he could fill in when needed, and he definitely could make an impact on that lineup, hopefully getting uh, some of those guys some better balls to hit and definitely lengthening the lineup so that we don't ever have a situation that we had last night where that 6-7-8 was absolutely just a, a vapid void of darkness.
2: Yeah, of cool. I mean, and that's the thing. I, and, I, you know, it, it's, it's definitely one of those. I mean, we're talking about a guy, you know, they, they say that Loney has some diminishing skills. Um, You know, the guy still batted, you know, well over 290 combined the past three seasons. We're talking about someone who has never actually struck out a hundred times in a season. He hasn't. Uh, yeah, that's something
1: def- desperately needed in this lineup.
2: He does. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of pop. Uh, he he is less of a doubles machine than he was earlier in his career. But James Loney is the type of hitter that I want not on this team not only uh, on on the bench but you know in the lineup and that's why you know again i'm I'm you know on the uh Roy and sixteen campaign. It's the only political movement I'm getting into this year it, <laughs> make catch, slogan make catcher great again uh but uh you know the 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 reality of it is is uh you know i these are the type of hitters if you know. I've said it for years on the show, I've said it for years on Twitter. These are the kind of guy I, I want, the kind of guys that are not going to strike out. Because if you're not going to strike out and you put this guy batting fifth or something like that, he is going to get players better pitches. It was, you know, it didn't work out. This is if this works out, this is what acquiring Michael Kadiar should have been. Yeah, that's a good comparison.
1: That's exactly what we were hoping out of Kedire is what we're going to hope to see out of Loney. And, you know, the biggest complaint about this offense this, this season thus far has been twofold. It's been, A, they strike out too much, and, D, they go through lengthy stretches where the only way they score is via the solo home run. Happened again right. last night, thanks to Juan Lagares. Loney is the type of guy who hopefully will make at least a few of those solo shots turn into two-run homers because he'll be clogging up the base paths. And that's what you want. And this team doesn't situationally hit well. We, we stink with runners in scoring position. This is the type of guy who, yeah, he might not get you the, the two-run knock, but you better believe he's going to figure out a way to get that ball far enough in the outfield to at least get the sack fly. That is exactly what you, this team is sorely needing right now, and hopefully that he will provide. And I'm with you. I don't want him to be brought here as a platoon while Duda's hurt. While Duda's hurt, I want the job to be his. And then when Duda gets back, we'll talk. I'm not so sold yet that that should be a platoon, but we shall see. But I want this guy in the lineup, and I want to see what he can do to lengthen this lineup a little bit.
2: Okay, so here we go. Uh, Granderson leads off, batting uh, first and right field. Cabrera is at short, batting second. Cespedes left field, batting third. Walker at second base, hitting cleanup. Uh, Lagares <laughs> at center field, batting fifth. Flores at third base. Florecki catching. Campbell at first base. And Cologne batting ninth and pitching. There's your I lineup never thought tonight. it would
1: I never thought it would sound so good to have Wilmer Flores back in the lineup, but the six hole at least doesn't feel like a complete void tonight.
2: Yeah, I mean and you know the, the interesting thing is, I mean, I don't know about you, I mean I you know, when uh when uh Treglas comes back into uh into play potentially towards the end of June, I gotta think is the guy you send down here because uh, I, I feel like you need Renee Rivera as a late inning defensive replacement, and and as a, you know, if, if Plowecki could hit, I'd say it's only, finally a little justification to carry three catchers. But the reality of it is, is Rivera has been so good behind the plate that if you can beef up some of the other positions, uh, I, I see no reason to keep Plowecki around right now.
1: No, yeah, none at all. If anything, let him go to Vegas. Let him get to the friendly confines. Let him get that average skyrocketing, get some balls popped over the wall, and let him get some of that confidence back because the kid really doesn't look good both in the field or at the plate right now. And uh, if this is really one of your blue trip prospects like he's supposed to be, you need to go get him right, and you need to get him off the national stage right now, especially when you have a guy like Rivera, who, let's face it, he's been a godsend defensively. We haven't seen any uh, Mets catcher of this caliber behind the plate in quite some time, so I'm totally fine keeping him keeping him there in an ideal world. You're right. If Pulecki was hitting, I'd love to have him uh, Rivera as a third catcher. So he could be an every single day defensive replacement late in the game. But unfortunately, Pulecki just cannot get it together right now. And I agree. I think he is the guy to go down if Travis ever comes back.
2: Yeah. And from what I understand, he'll begin some baseball activities this week. So we'll, we'll certainly see. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm eagerly expecting, and I say eagerly, I don't mean in a good way. Um, I'm eagerly expecting the word setback by Wednesday.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, honestly, the the thing you can hope most for Travis is that he plays a couple of uh, rehab games at the minors, and it almost serves like when the Mets set him down a few years ago, that uh, it just gets him right in some way. And when he comes back, he never looks back much like he did that season, because uh, I think right now, as high as we've been at the catcher position from a prospect standpoint over those two guys, it's as low as we are right now that Travis can never stay healthy, and Ploeckie seemingly can't get it together. and we've said it on the show we've gone from which one's the man to is either one the man, and that that remains to be seen.
2: Yeah, absolutely, And I think that uh, you know looking at the uh, looking at the uh, Vegas uh, schedule, they've got a couple games uh, coming up. Uh, it with uh, at Reno at Salt Lake at Reno later in the month, a couple series there, uh, where, you know, getting them some, if, if you get them some rehab games in Vegas, uh, I, I think that's more optimal than when they said Flores to Binghamton. I, I think you could just get more accomplished for Travis there by, uh, getting them some warmth and some, uh, sunshine and, uh, definitely, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, nice, easy to hit in PCL air. Uh, to kind of get some of that confidence back, uh, going back into, um, you know, going back into, what would I would imagine, you know, is the starting catcher's job once he's healthy.
1: Yeah, you know, from the Church of the Wally Ball, Wally had the infamous quote a few years ago when Ike Davis was sent down, saying, "We'll get him right." Well, you know what, Wally, we might be sending you two catchers in a couple of weeks. That we need you to get at least one of them right for us, okay?
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, don't let any, either of them pitch. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Jack Leatherstitch wherever you are. Um, you know, it's it's certainly uh, one of those things. And, uh, you know, you got to go now, gee, Ike Davis, I wonder what he's up to these days. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, last I heard, he was uh, playing in AAA this season, if I recall correctly. Uh, yep, he's playing for uh Texas at Triple-A, I believe, that Round Rock. Um hitting 257 at Triple-A, four home runs, 21 Oof. RBIs. Um, Jeez, man. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. I don't know which was the real Ike Davis at the end of the day. All I know is I saw him play a cup his first season I, saw, I happened to be at a game in Brooklyn um in 2008 and um came back for a weekend to say goodbye to Shay. And made it down to I made it down to what was then Keyspan Park for a game at uh, uh, for the Cyclones. And I saw Ike Davis, and I was sitting for a while for a couple innings with uh, Toby Hyde, um, you know, from, of course from SNY TV and uh, Mets Minor League blog. Um, and uh, I, I said, I, I watched him for the whole game, and I said, dude, what do you think of this guy? He raved. I said, oh, honest, I'm not dig, I'm not digging what I'm seeing here. He seems to not be what was promised and he proved me wrong for quite a while and then pretty much reverted to what i saw in brooklyn and i don't know if it was the injury if this is a guy who just never will or ever did get truly over that if it was the valley fever some combination thereof or the fact that he just had holes in his game that scouts figured out not sure but uh you know it's one of those things and uh you, you got to figure that uh, Sandy's plan—that was one of, besides Harvey's Tommy John surgery—that was one of the big derailers of Sandy's plan, uh, going having to go an extra year.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, let's face it: there are two guys who Mets fans had cemented as permanent parts of this team for the next decade. And that was Ike Davis, and it was Ruben Tejada. Tejada, in his first year with Reyes gone, looked great. We said, "Okay, we're good. We've got our shortstop." Ike, same thing. He looked great initially. And we thought, Okay, so Sandy, you just go concentrate on other stuff and Sandy was able to go concentrate on other stuff until uh oh, now we gotta concentrate on these things that we didn't think we were going to. That's what ended us up with so many, uh so many really lean years early in the Alderson era. Obviously those both positions have not been addressed fully yet. We just basically moved Ike out of town and ascended Lucas. I'm not really sure that Lucas is worthy of that ascension yet just yet but at least you've got shortstop completely covered up finally and uh, to be determined, I guess, about what happens at first base from here on out.
2: Yeah. I mean, and I think the, um, you know, the, the reality of it is it's ex- exactly that at, at the end of the day, you know, I, I you know, and, and that's, a, it's a conversation that will be ongoing with uh, as far as it goes with Lucas Duda, because um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much convinced he's not the solution long-term for first base. The question is, uh, you know, nor am I intimating that I think James Loney is that solution either. Uh, But, uh, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what the Mets do with Lucas. I mean, you figure you're probably at this point, best case scenario, maybe September of 17, you might see Dom Smith come up if, uh, you know, if they feel he's ready. Uh, He's no Conforto. He's not going to make that double A leap. um, And he's a high school player. Um, so I mean, you know, he's he's just 20 now. Don't expect him to come jumping up from Double A like Conforto did last year. Uh, this is a kid who's going to have to play some Triple A ball and probably a full season at Double A. Uh, but uh, you know, you got to figure, you know, at some point decisions have to be made.
1: Yeah, you need a stopgap right now, and unfortunately, I don't think Lucas Duda is that stopgap. You need no. a guy in there. You basically need you need five years younger James Looney. That would be really, yeah, really
2: nice. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, it's kind of funny when we brought in when we brought in Kadir. I said, what we really need is a five-year younger Kadir, but I'll take what we can get. Uh, turned out to not be much. You, know, you just gotta hope there's more in the well with Loney. Now, again, you know, you know, my final thought for the day is is what I shared with you on Twitter yesterday. You know, this Loney deal, even if he strikes out every time he ever bats as a New York Met, which is not going to happen, the guy doesn't strike out. Um, this was still a good deal. You probably paid my guess about 50 grand to buy this guy's contract for San Diego. He costs you nothing. Um, he is absolutely as close to no risk as you can. All you're doing is you're putting Eric Campbell on the pine. I don't see that as a tremendous risk in baseball terminology. This is a good move, no matter how bad it goes. I don't think it's going to go that bad, but, um, I, I, there is no part of me that can be convinced, even if he struck out with the bases loaded three times in a game, that picking up Loney was a bad move.
1: It was a good move. It was low cost. It doesn't prevent you from doing anything else this year. The, Sandy is wide open to continue wheeling and dealing throughout this season. He's not going to let the acquisition of James Loney hold him back in any way. But at the same time, it's a, it's a good dude to, to get into this lineup, and I definitely don't see him being a Kadiar here. We don't have the injury history that Kadir had, and he's been breaking down in AAA for San Diego. So I like it. I want to see him in the lineup, and I want to see this Mets offense kind of come to life a little bit over the next couple of days.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's going to be a very interesting week. I think we're going to have some very definitive uh, things to talk about Um, next week. I am not with you, but uh, we've got a great guest that will be joining you, E.J., Uh, from the podcast that uh, Mason Avenue does. So um, they're great folks over there, and uh, we're going to do a little uh, visiting podcast next week. So um, I'll be off at one of my favorite little side trips and going to Dallas for a Comic-Con.
1: Very nice. Well, enjoy it, my friend. We'll have uh, have those guys keep your seat warm for you, and uh, we'll be back on, you and I, in two weeks' time then.
2: Absolutely, looking forward to it. Hope we don't have too much. I feel I feel like today was a gripe session, and we had a, just had a gripe session for a team that is in you know currently a half game out of first place uh, because uh, Washington won today. Um, I, I don't like doing that, but there uh, you know, certainly was enough enough to gripe about. But uh, by golly, I, I hope they give me less to gripe about in the next two weeks.
1: You owe know me both, my friend, and we will talk then.
2: Absolutely, for EJ and myself. Um, find us on Twitter at The Real Hoove and The Happy Recap. Until next week, let's go, Mets.